Imagine a world ruled by gratitude. Imagine a world ruled by gratitude. Imagine a world where you didn't honk your horn at other drivers on the road to express your displeasure. Instead, when you pushed on the steering wheel, it would blare out compliments to the other drivers who were doing a particularly good job minding the rules of the road. Imagine a world ruled by gratitude, a world where Waffle House waitresses were all millionaires because of what great tips they got, a world full of advertisements and catalogs and pop-ups giving you opportunities to donate your things and give them away because everybody was in such a hurry to get rid of the excess and, and share the wealth. Imagine a world of gratitude. Imagine a world where, where, where Twitter and tabloids and the news were just filled with, with famous people's secrets. Secrets of the good deeds they had done. Uh, secrets, uh, and social media was just blowing up because everybody was in such a hurry to thank them for their public service. Imagine a world ruled by gratitude, a world where your kids woke up in the morning and they ate all of their food for breakfast and they were so eager to go to school because they knew how good they had it. Imagine a world, moms and dads, where your kids said to you on Christmas morning, mom, dad, can't we be done opening presents yet? I've already got so many toys, more than I could ever need. I'm just in such a hurry. I can't wait to start writing thank you notes to my generous friends and family. <sighs> Imagine a world ruled by gratitude. But that's not the world we live in, is it? No, let's, let's do a little test this morning. I'm, I'm curious. and I'm going to need a little audience participation on this, so feel free to holler it out. What do you see? You see a black dot, don't you? Huh? That's interesting to me because... Well, well, this black dot takes up a fairly small percentage of the page, wouldn't you think? It's surrounded by an awful lot of white around it. And yet, I'm sure I tricked you into this. I'm sure this wasn't a fair test, but bear with me. As human beings, we have a tendency to look at the bad and ignore the good, don't we? We have a tendency to, 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 to take the good for granted. We have a tendency to get so stuck in what's going on in our lives that we fail to be grateful for the good things that God has given us. We have a tendency to be ungrateful, don't we? And now, this is not a new thing. Humans have suffered from ingratitude for many, many years now uh, for people experiencing and being given amazing things and then taking them for granted. I mean, believe it or not, that's actually how people treated Jesus. Oh, look with me in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he's going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus is, is traveling. We're in this series called Street Talk where Jesus is on the road and people meet Jesus. And, and we believe that when you meet Jesus, you, we are changed. And so, so Jesus is traveling on the road here. He's in no man's land between Jewish Galilee to the north and Samaria to the south. And, and when you're in no man's land, well kind of people you run across, Jesus stumbles across this band of 10 lepers. I'm not talking about leopards like the jungle animal. I'm talking about lepers, people who have leprosy. 
And leprosy was this ancient classification for various kinds of infectious skin diseases. And people who had leprosy, lepers, they were not allowed to live in the city with everybody else because lepers were considered unclean. In fact, if a clean person came in contact with someone who had leprosy, they would be unclean too. So, so, so lepers are forced out of society. So imagine this. These 10 guys, they're forced to leave their homes, their jobs, their families. Who knows how long it's been since they got to kiss their kids, hug their wife. They missed out on their kids' weddings, their parents' funerals. They're just stuck out there alone, waiting to die. Because make no mistake, leprosy was a death sentence. There was no recovering from leprosy. There wasn't a cure. Leprosy was a death sentence. Limb by limb. The disease itself was excruciating. Eventually, your, your muscles would waste away, your hands becoming locked in place like a claw. You'd be covered in open sores, festering wounds all over your body. Sometimes your nervous system could shut down so you couldn't even feel pain anymore. You'd lose fingers and toes and you wouldn't even know. Physically, this was an excruciating disease. Spiritually, they were cut off from practicing their religion. You can't go to the temple to make sacrifices when you're a leper. You can't go to the synagogue to hear the word of God read when you're a leper. And socially, there is no greater stigma when a leper would walk around, if somebody got too close, he'd have to holler out, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. Imagine the humiliation. And so these lepers, all these hopeless lepers, well, they'd heard some rumors, rumors about this Jesus guy. Somebody even said he could heal leprosy. Well, <laughs> that was just too good to be true, but what other hope did they have? And so when Jesus came along their way by their little leper camp, they saw their opportunity and they took a chance. Jesus, master, have, have pity on us. Notice they call him master. They've heard he even tells the wind and the waves what to do. They've heard even demons and diseases obey him. He's the master, all right. And Jesus, he hears their cries for mercy. And, well, he, he doesn't even go over to him. He just looks up at him, says, go show yourselves to the priests. Whoa. You see, a leper had to go be examined by the priest to make sure he was totally clean before he could re-enter society. Now, if I'm one of those lepers, I'm thinking, well, Jesus, couldn't you just come over here and touch me and heal me like you did to those other lepers? Couldn't you maybe say the magic word and I'd be cleansed? I don't, I don't know if you notice this, Jesus, but I'm standing here and I'm still covered in sores. I can't exactly go show myself to the priest. I'm just gonna get kicked out again. Jesus, I'm no better off than I was five minutes ago before you came along. And yet, they went. And the text says, as they went, they were cleansed. So they're walking down the road, limping, covered in dried blood and bandages about half a mile down the road all of a sudden one of their crinkled hands comes unclenched and then another guy who's limping along with a crutch well his shriveled legs straighten out regain their strength he looks over at his buddy whose face is covered with open festering wounds and they cover over with bright clear skin all of a sudden and the further they go the faster they run they are healed as they go and they show up to the priest and the priest well he is dumbfounded he's never seen anything like this nobody recovers from leprosy but he examines all 10 of them can't find a pimple or a scar anywhere on him so he sends them home and all 10 of them take off running back home back to see their wives and their kids to eat with the people that they love for the first time in years this is beautiful they're restored 
But as they take off running for home, one of them stops and looks back, back down the road where, where Jesus was. He, he remembers Jesus, the one who heals him. And he takes off running again, not to his family, but to Jesus to thank him. The text says he was praising God in a loud voice. For years, he's had to holler out to people everywhere he went, unclean, unclean. But now he's hollering out a different story. I am clean. I'm clean. Jesus healed me. It's amazing how all throughout scripture, people that Jesus saves go tell other people about it. (laughs) The leper runs back to Jesus. He falls at his feet and he thanks him, the text says. But he was the only one who came back. And he was a Samaritan of all people. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't one of God's people. This was a Samaritan. And this guy, this Samaritan, enemy of the Jews, he's the one who got it. And God's owed people didn't. The other nine didn't come back. And it seems like the ingratitude of the nine actually kind of hurts Jesus. Is this all? Didn't I heal all 10 of you? Where are the others? Now, isn't that just crazy? That Jesus would do something like that for somebody and that they would forget to thank him for it? We would never do anything like that, would we? (laughs) And yet, unfortunately, I look inside myself and I see this dangerous tendency to accept God's great blessings in my life and forget to thank him for it. So why aren't we grateful? Why can we sometimes struggle with ingratitude? Well, a couple reasons. I think the first one is we're just distracted. We're distracted. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines ingratitude as forgetfulness of or poor return for kindness received. So it's not necessarily that we intentionally ignore Jesus. It's just that we, well, we just forget. And sometimes we get distracted by good things. Where were the other nine? They were running home to say hi to their parents and their old friends and their wives and their kids. That's a great thing. But sometimes even great things can distract us from the best thing, from Jesus himself. Sometimes though we get distracted by hard things. Some of you in this room today are going through a really tough season. Some of you in this room today are looking around and it's dark where you are. And you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what to do. You're in a tough season. If that's you today, if you're hurting and you don't know when it's going to stop, can I just encourage you for a minute? Number one, just keep on keeping on. And number two, don't forget to worship. It'll be hard, but it'll heal you. This leper who came back to Jesus, he'd been healed and cleansed and it was awesome, but it wasn't like his life was perfect, right? He probably still didn't have a job, probably poor. His probably relationships with his friends and his family, his marriage was probably next to nothing. He had a lot of these unresolved problems in his life that he hadn't fixed or figured out yet. And that even in the midst of those issues, he came and he fell down at Jesus' feet. So don't forget to worship. So I think sometimes we we're, we're forget to be grateful because we're distracted, but I think sometimes we're not grateful because we're also just proud. We're proud. A lack of gratitude is a sign of arrogance. A lack of gratitude is a sign of arrogance. My son Judah, uh, he's 10 months old now. He's crawling everywhere. He's just about to walk. He's got so many teeth. He bites anything that comes within arm's reach of him, you know? And I love this kid. And my wife, Rebecca, and I, we work really hard to care for Judah. 
Uh, we, we feed him, we bathe him, we clean him, we give him what he needs. We, we wake up in the middle of the night to take care of him. We work really hard to care for this kid. And so far, he's never said thank you. <laughs> Not one time. He's never looked at me in the eyes and said, Father, what immense sacrifices you've made to care for my well-being. How can I ever repay you? Oh, such gracious and generous dad. He's never said that to me. I'm trying not to be bitter about it. (laughs) Because as far as Judah is concerned, he's living in Judah world. And as far as Judah is concerned, this house that he dwells in is his kingdom where he is the king and Rebecca and I are merely peasants who exist to do his will. As far as Judah is concerned, every room in our house exists for him to play in. Every toy in our house exists for him to play with. Every chair in our house exists for him to climb. Every cup for him to spill. Every morsel of food for him to gnaw on. And if by some incredible stretch of the imagination, he's not allowed to explore that room or play on that chair or spill that cup or or eat that kind of food, then my goodness, that is injustice in his eyes. It's cruel and unusual punishment. He just can't understand it because he thinks it belongs to him. Now, someday Judah will grow up and I will inform him that that house that he lives in, that he thinks is his, I'm the one who pays the mortgage. (laughs) I let him live there. And all that food that he eats, that he thinks belongs to him and he has the right to, well, my wife's the one who makes it and she's the one who buys it. And those toys that he plays with and those clothes that he has, yeah, I'm the one who lets him use them. They belong to me. And maybe someday he'll thank me. I don't know. I don't have my hopes very high. And then I look at my own life and I see in myself this incredible tendency, if I'm not careful, that I can trick myself into thinking that I deserve everything that I have, that I've earned it, that I got it myself and it belongs to me. But James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Everything good in your life is from God. You're living in his house. You're eating his food. You're playing with his toys. (laughs) And so us being grateful is an act of humility. It's laying aside our pride and recognizing that everything good that I have, I don't deserve it. On my own, I'm a pretty wretched sinner. The only thing I deserve is hell. And yet God has so graciously blessed me with good things in this life and the next. So sometimes we're not grateful because we're distracted. Sometimes we're not grateful because we're proud. But I think in our heart of hearts, most of us wanna be grateful people, don't we? So how do we become grateful? How do we become grateful? Two things, and the first one is this. Remember grace. Remember grace. One preacher described it like this. He said, imagine that you live in an ancient castle and your castle is surrounded by this massive enemy army that is intent on breaking down your walls and destroying everything inside. And then all of a sudden you discover a secret that this massive enemy army outside, yes, they're powerful. Yes, they're intimidating and successful and evil to the core, but they have one key weakness. There's a certain song they can't stand the sound of. In fact, when you sing this song and they hear it, they have to turn and run away. Now tell me, wouldn't you want to learn that song? Yeah. You'd wake up every morning singing that song. You'd sing that song on your way to work. You'd stand up on top of the castle walls and sing that song as loud as you could every chance you got. 
Well, the Apostle Paul tells us what this song is that keeps the enemy at bay. Colossians chapter two. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Here it is. And overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So we depend on Christ and we strengthen our faith and we keep the enemy at bay when we overflow with thankfulness, when we sing the song of gratitude for God's grace. That's what we're doing, by the way, in the worship service. So look what happens if we choose not to sing that song. Look at what happens for those who choose to be ungrateful. Paul tells us in Romans chapter one, verses 18 and 21, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wow, those are strong words. What did they do to earn that? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow, it sounds like gratitude or the lack thereof has some pretty serious ramifications. Uh, The word gratitude comes from the Latin word gratia. Gratia, which means grace. Grace. So the way we become grateful people is by remembering grace, by recalling God's gracious character and the gracious things he's done for us and responding to them by recalling his amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's what makes us grateful. God's grace inspires our gratitude. And in fact, all throughout scripture, we see this pattern of remembering and recalling God's grace to us and then responding to it in gratitude. Just a few examples real quick. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 106, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Ephesians chapter five, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that song again, you hear it? Amazingly, this is actually written by a guy who's facing persecution and death. I'd say it'd be pretty easy for him to look at that. And yet he's grateful for all this. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter five, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice, that's a command, not a suggestion, by the way. God's will is for us to be constantly calling to mind these examples of of who he is and what he's done to us and responding to him in grateful praise. And we want that. We wanna be grateful people because God has been so gracious to us. His grace never ends and neither should our gratitude. And yet... I still struggle with this old heart. This old heart that wrestles with bitterness and self-pity and selfishness and pride and distraction. And I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I find it a lot easier to look at this and focus on this than everything else around it. Anybody else in the room with me today? (laughs) Yeah, we gotta train ourselves. How do we become grateful people? 
We gotta train our hearts. Train your heart. You gotta train your heart, train your mind, train your eyes to look at this instead of this. To look through this and see this. And so we train ourselves by participating in intentional, habit-forming practices that cultivate within us the character of Christ. We put disciplined practices in our lives that help us look like Jesus. They're called spiritual disciplines, these intentional things we do to help make us more like Jesus. So let me give you a few really, really practical suggestions this week for how you can train your heart to be grateful. And if one of these sticks with you, I'd encourage you to do it this week. You could get a prayer journal. And every day, if you struggle knowing how to pray, if you struggle knowing what to pray, get a prayer journal, just write down three things every day that you are thankful to God for. Pretty easy. You could even write a thank you letter to God for who he is and what he's done for you. You could think of the most difficult circumstance in your life and think of one thing to be grateful for about it. Maybe you could start giving as a practical way to say thank you to God for what he's given to you. Maybe you could think of three people in your life that you've taken for granted and you could write them each a thank you note this week. You could set a good example for your kids by sincerely thanking your waitresses and your cashiers and your bank tellers. You could make a habit of giving uh, somebody one specific and sincere compliment every single day. My wife had a journal and her goal was to write out a thousand things that she was thankful for. That's pretty good. You could do that too. My grandma trained us to be grateful because she'd give each one of her grandkids a bowl of Skittles. She called them her happy pills. <laughs> And for every Skittle we ate, we had to tell her one thing we were thankful for. You can even use technology to help you become a grateful person, to help train your heart. If you go to the app store on your phone and just search the word gratitude, you'll come up with a lot of apps that can help train you in different ways to think through the lens of gratitude. Can I tell you what I did? Now, this week in preparing for this sermon, I decided to make a list just real quick of 100 things that I was thankful for. Can I read you a few things off that list just as an example? Number one. I'm thankful for a perfect heavenly father. Number two, I'm thankful for apple pie and ice cream. <laughs> Number 12, I'm thankful for a wife who loves Jesus more than she loves me. Number 20, I'm thankful for a computer to type with so I don't have to handwrite out all these things I'm thankful for. <laughs> Number 31, I'm thankful for playing pickleball with the other guys on staff. Number 70, I'm thankful for that the baseball playoffs are almost here and the Cardinals are playing well. Number 84, I'm thankful I get to serve at a church under leaders that I trust. Number 86, I'm thankful that there are lots of other healthy churches around in the area as well. Number 97, I'm thankful that God lets us talk with him. Number 101, I'm thankful that all of you are gonna go online after church and take that survey. <laughs> Look, I don't know what it is for you. I, different things connect with different people's hearts in different ways, but put some practice in your life this week that will train your heart to remember God's grace and respond to it, that will train you to become grateful. And as you do, as you call to mind God's goodness and respond to it in gratitude, you will be changed. But let's not forget the most important thing today, okay? Ultimately, gratitude doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that saves you. Crying out like those helpless lepers did for Jesus to have mercy on you and heal you is the only thing that saves you. Look at how this story ends. The leper falls down at Jesus' feet and then Jesus says in verse 19, 
rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Gratitude is great, but we are saved by faith. And if we've learned anything from those nine ungrateful lepers today, it's that it's possible to do all the right things. It's possible to come to church every single week and still miss Jesus. Let's not do that. Because we're not called to be people who are just vaguely thankful in some general sense to nobody in particular. We just kind of go through our life with this little attitude of gratitude thing. No, we're called to be thankful to someone. The someone who has so richly showered us with his mercy. The someone from whom all good things come. The someone is Jesus. The Jesus who came down here and he lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death that we should have died. And then he rose again to new life. And he's offering that new life to you. And if you've not yet called out for mercy. If you've not asked him to heal you. Do that now. You're watching people do it today. And that can be you too. Let him heal you. Let him save you. Come talk to us, email us, find somebody in a green t-shirt, do whatever you have to do. I'll be up here after the service. That's something to be grateful for. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And we are grateful today that you've allowed us to come here, to learn from your word, to worship together, to see these people giving their lives to you. Jesus, we could spend every single minute of this week thanking you for everything we could think of and we wouldn't even put a dent in your mercy. We can't even begin, Lord, to list the things you've given us. You have loved us so lavishly, so richly. Your grace is so incredible and we praise you for it. So Jesus, we're here today just to say thank you. In your name we pray, amen.